Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Larry Kim here, and we have a special guest for us named Kurt ha- uh, Kirk Hazlett. Uh, today we're going to be discussing PR and ethics, but before we get into anything, uh, Kirk, do you want to take a moment to kind of introduce yourself, let people know who you are and how you got into your industry? Hey, well, great. Thank you, Leonard. I appreciate this. Um, I am, uh, see, in, a, in a nutshell, a public relations professional who wound up teaching public relations. Um, and I'm very active in the Public Relations Society of America. Currently, I'm the chair of the Board of Ethics and Professional Standards for PRSA. Um, ethics has been, been a very big part of what I do for my entire career and what I teach now. So always looking, appreciate opportunities to talk about it, see some of the maybe the challenges that lie ahead for us, and... Um, hear from others if they for good advice or anything they might have experiences i'd love to hear what other people are going through themselves yeah i mean the pr world's kind of probably changed pretty significantly from when you got started in the industry till now i'm assuming um at the beginning of your career there really wasn't much regulation in regards to the field well, there was a, a little bit. I mean, we we always had guidelines with our. I'm not, and now, when I say we, I'm talking about PRSA, the Public Relations Society of America. But the the I think the challenge has always been to sort of twofold. One is to communicate to our members and to practicing professionals that, yeah, we, just like other professions, have guidelines that, that tell us what we sh- how we should conduct ourselves. Um, so you've got the, you know, the, the practitioners themselves, but then the public. I mean, I, I spent a very brief period in addition to doing public relations. I was a, a freelance journalist for some newspapers in Massachusetts. And I remember so vividly one time walking into a meeting and one of the people on the committee that I was covering goes, okay, watch out, the press is here. And I'm thinking, wow, that's the kind of um, interesting way to, <laughs> to say hello. No. And, and, and it, it, even with public relations, there, there were occasions in the early years when I, people say, what do you do? I, I do public relations. Oh, yeah, you people. Uh, so it's, you're right. It, th- things have changed. And, but we are getting, we, not just PRSA, I'm sorry if I babble just a little bit, but other p- public relations and communications organizations also have codes of ethics. And they're working really, really hard to educate both the members and the public that we, we're decent people. We want to do a good job. We want you to think of us in a positive light. And if you have a question, to ask us about it. I can see that. I mean, um, I guess when most people kind of look at PR in general, um, one, they know how extremely difficult it is to end up with a feature in a publication like Inc. or Forbes or Time or whatever it may be. And two, uh, when they kind of go about it, a lot of people might not really put ethics first when they're thinking about doing it if they try to do it on their own. But then um, working with a professional, um, some people might think that there could be backroom deals while others might be like, oh, it's a little bit more legitimate. And I think there's a lot of... uh, gray area when it comes to the perception in people's minds of like how PR actually works. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree with you. And, it, and, and it's, 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 it's going to be an ongoing challenge. Uh, you know, and to sort of segue just a smidgen, you know, you think about even doctors, for example. Doctors have, have a code of ethics. You know, it starts off first, do no harm. Um, and to me, what I'm sort of preaching, if you will, about public relations and ethics, I, I say that's what guides us, is do the right thing, do no harm, uh, and make it clear to the people with whom you are working 
whether as a client, as a coworker, whatever it might be, make it clear to them that these are the standards by which I am going to hold myself and I expect you to do the same. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I have worked in my career just to, to do a brief overview here. I started off working as a public affairs uh, officer for, the, for an, an army, a U.S. Army uh, school, and they were not real big on any kind of publicity. They didn't want people to know what they were doing. And I convinced the leadership that we, we, we're not, we can't hide. The, our communities know who we are. We're out buying, hello, buying groceries and everything else in the community. We need to tell them who we are. And if they have a question, we need to be ready to answer that question honestly and forthrightly. And my, my response has always been when dealing with the media is, you want to know what we're doing? I'm not going to tell you. Come down to my place of business, and I will show you what we're doing. And, and that, that, again, that's it. Open, honest communication. I, I just was um, watching last night President Zelensky with his um, address to, to the, uh, Congress here in the U.S., and I made a comment. I was asked about this. I, I said, this, he absolutely nailed it. Be there, be visible, be honest, and you will make a difference. People will see. When they, they look in your eyes, they see the fire in your eyes that says, I believe what I'm doing, and I believe what I'm doing is right. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, sorry. Oh, um, so one of the things that I see is when you kind of talked about going out there and being uh, truthful and being who you are, a lot of people don't do that when they're when a media opportunity kind of comes their way. Um, it's as if like something switches within them and they feel like they have to go and show off the best side of themselves and. It's an interesting type of situation. <laughs> it, it, it can be a challenge, and as you know, I, I think over the years I've, I've sort of run run into, and it, it makes it sort of your job, if you will, as the as the public relations person for the organization that you're working with, is, is to start. You start with them, help them understand that yes, being honest and forthright is a good thing you cannot hide um you know and so many so many companies want to oh no no let's just turn off the lights and pretend we're not home but no um but it, but it's, it is it's, it's starting with the leadership within your organization if we're talking now um internal communications public relations um is you, you've got to suck it up and go. I, I'm going to use, forgive me if I give one more quick story here. Um, when I literally was starting out in public affairs with the Army, I was an intern. I had just finished a training program in Virginia and had moved up to Massachusetts to take over the PR program for this uh, the Army Intelligence School, just to put it plainly. And I went, I talked to the people in the local community. I got there a couple of days early. Literally, no one business person in the community, 20 walking minutes outside our gates, no one knew who we were. Mm -hmm. So I went in to, to, to meet with the commander, the president, if you will, of the school. And he looked at, I introduced myself, and he looked at me and he says, and I won't use the exact words because it's profanity, but why the blankety blank are you here? And I said, sir, I've been talking to people in the community here. Um, we are 40% of this base population. We're the biggest operation on this base. We've been here for 25 years. Nobody knows who we are. You have an image problem, and I'm going to fix it. Mm. And he gives me this look like, <laughs> what do you think you're doing here? Um, but that was just it. So by the time I, I left the organization, moved on to a different job, we had been covered globally by publications about activities that we were doing, positive things. But I had to win the confidence of the leadership to convince them that, yeah, this is a good thing to do. But 
it, this all goes back to, again to ethics here. I knew we had a good story, and I knew that we. There's no sense in hi- why hide it. Why hide it when you're doing something that's really, really good? Yeah. So. Yeah, I think a lot of people aren't really sure, like what the media would kind of uh, be interested in when it comes to the stories that are kind of uh, working uh, within their organization and so forth. But sometimes it's the most obvious story that uh, actually brings interest to them. You're absolutely right, you know, and 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 that's the thing, and it's that's sort of one of again one of the our challenges in the PR field is is finding those interesting stories and telling people about them. Um, I one more, I, my students learned this a long time ago. I tell stories all the time. Um, on the, the army base where our school was located, we were a tenant unit. We had a, a base public affairs office. Um, and my I, my colleague at, at the base public affairs called me one night, and he says, "Kirk, we're, we've got an event going on tomorrow evening. You really need to be there." I go, "What's what is it?" He says, "It's a chess tournament." And I go, "Chess tournament? Why, why do I want to be there?" And he said, "Because one of your soldiers, your students, is playing." So I went to cover this. Now we're talking army soldiers young enlistees, I go in. There are 28 positions. It's a chess tournament. 28 positions set up. That's and a this lot. young man, is, he's in the center, and he's playing 28 people. That's and kind of crazy. Goes position to position, stops a minute, looks, makes a move, moves to the next one. Same thing, goes around. About an hour and a half later, he has checkmated 28 people. Wow. And I go, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. This is, and so I, I, I talked to him. I said, I need to, to find out more information. So I got his background, found out all about him, wrote a story, and I'm going to give the, the, the headline to show. Here's how you sell things that otherwise people don't care. By day, specialist for Michael Fletcher studies electronic warfare at the U.S. Army Intelligence School, Fort Devens. But at night, while his colleagues are chewing the fat and watching television, Mike is moving in the with royalty, with kings and queens. Huh. Michael Fletcher is a champion chess player. Yeah, that's a great headline. And it's a definite article that a lot of people are going to read it could even show up on, on tv and so forth too well let's show you what happened it ran in the base paper obviously i wrote the story and they ran it for me as soon as it appeared in a local in the base paper the editor of the local newspaper called the town newspaper wow. i just saw your story would like can we run it oh sure we ran it there then the editor of the Intelligence School Journal in Maryland calls me. I just saw your story. We'd like to run it in our magazine. Cool. Then the editor of Stars and Stripes newspaper called me. I saw your story. Can we run it in Stars and Stripes? We wound up getting global coverage. But that's cool. That's nice. But then we got, my commander, my boss, got a call from Senator Ted Kennedy, who was at the time chairman of the Joint Armed Services Committee. I've been hearing a lot about you people. I'd like to come visit you. So we wound up getting a visit from a United States senator, first time in the entire history. So anyway, the point, (laughs) I'm going off too much here, but the, the point is that we told our story openly, honestly, and encouraged people to to take a look at us. We're not going to hide. And I've, I've done that with, with organizations in the United States, um, including in Hawaii, in, in the Philippines, various places. Yeah. This is... We don't we, I won't tell you, come down and see what I'm doing. Let me show you. Let me let you talk to the people who are making it happen. 
So <laughs> probably more than you asked for here. <laughs> well, that's pretty amazing. And that's really what happens when you kind of dig through an organization and find that uh, unique story that kind of is uh, shareable and relatable to others. It could take on maybe a small media feature and then they could turn into a feature that's uh, in the state. It could lead to national coverage. It could lead to global coverage. And it could even lead to bringing in like uh, – really well-respected people to come visit the organization. And I think that's a pretty good summary of how that can work. Anyways, it's about time for us to hop off to a commercial break. Uh, where can people find you online? Uh, well, if they, they, you can find me online. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, and, and, and pretty simple. Look for Kirk Hazlett, K-I-R-K-H-A-Z-L-E-T-T. And um, that's where I'm hanging out and... According to my students, I'm online 24 hours a day, so <laughs> most likely you'll hear from me as soon as you contact me. Awesome, and you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Great. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. If you feel stuck, exhausted, or just unsure of how to handle everything at once that life is throwing your way, you'll want to listen to What's Important Now, Making Time for What Matters Most with Eva Medelec. Eva and her guests will help you learn to focus on the most important priorities in your life so you can handle them one at a time instead of being constantly overwhelmed. What's important now? Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel channel we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here with Kurt Hatzlet, and we've been uh, talking a lot about uh, how a PR story could kind of go and blow up and take uh, national coverage and even bring senators into a place where people are operating out of. And <clears throat> we've been kind of discussing the uh, challenges with uh, the ethics and the perception that people in PR and uh, the media kind of face because... Um, uh, I think one thing you mentioned earlier, Kirk, was like when uh, the media shows up, people are like, Shh, the media is here. And what that kind of sparks into, do you want to touch a bit more upon that? Well, you know, it's, it's, I, I think it, it depends on the, the experiences that the, the journalist has, has had with, public, with, with PR people. Uh, and, you know, if, if they've been fortunate enough to have worked with 
someone who wants to tell a story, who has a good story and is very, very cooperative, then that's one thing. But if they've been burned at some point in the, in the past, they're going to be very, very suspicious of what you're, what you're trying to, and to put this in, in quotes here, what you're trying to sell them. And it's, so, you know, I think it's, well, again, for, for me as a PR practitioner, I have to, in everything that I do, have to be completely open, honest, uh, be willing to answer the questions. Don't just say, oh, I can't talk about that. It's a client secret. You know, figure out a way to talk about it. Um, and, yeah, there are going to be instances where you will not be able to, for all kinds of reasons, will not be able to provide the exact information that the, that the journalist wants. Do the best you can. Be, share with them as much as you can, uh, and they will recognize that, yeah, we're getting into kind of a messy area and we, we can't go too far down this road. Um, and, you know, and all, all, that's all you can do. But the main thing is to, to just to be as open, I, I've used these words so many times, open, honest, supportive, sharing whatever you can. Yeah, I can definitely see that being a benefit. And sometimes when we kind of look at um, people who've kind of been burned before in the past and so forth, like um, sometimes the premise, the premise of the situation could be as if it was uh, to be uh, one type of situation, but it could potentially be for something else. Like I've heard the cases where like um, reporters would make it sound like a business is going to be featured, but then they end up doing like a piece on them that's not so friendly. So um, sometimes situations like that do arise too. They, 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 they do. You know, it happens. And, you know, I, um, when I was working with one R, I, I just, I, again, going back to my, my, my own background here, I worked for the Army as a civilian for about eight years in public affairs. And uh, during one period, uh, the, the U.S. military had, the Army had been involved in some things in, in um, the Mideast um, that got some unfavorable publicity. And the, um, the media wasn't too happy about it, obviously. And, and what we, I, I, I told my bosses, what, we can't do anything about a public's opinion, the media's opinion of the overall organization. What we have to do is keep a focus on who we are and why we are, how we are operating, that we're operating, again, openly, honestly, and ethically. And I, I, one, I, again, I got a report, a call from a reporter in, in Boston, at the Boston Globe, and he said, um, I'd like. I've got a couple of questions I'd like to ask you about Army recruiting. I work for the, uh, our district recruiting command in Boston, and I said, "How about we do this? Why don't you come down here and let me show you what we're doing?" So I brought him down, took him through the whole process from from the get go, from the minute you walk in the door and say, "I want to join the Army," till you find the paperwork and you're off and running here, and. He wound up writing an absolutely fabulous, supportive piece about what we were doing to help young men and women find a possible career. Instead yes. of saying, oh, look at all these nasty things that these people are doing everywhere else in the world, is look at what the good things that are happening here in our own hometown. So, but, it's, but, but what that means is, again, you as a public relations person, you have to know what your organization is all about. You have to understand it. And you got to love it. I, I, as I tell right, anybody who comes to me asking advice about a job, I say, you have to love what you're doing. If you don't love it, don't do it. Because it yeah, will definitely. show. Yeah. It'll show in your eyes when you say that if, if you're being dishonest, it'll show up. 
Yeah, and I think your example of uh, inviting someone down to kind of look at how the whole uh, recruiting process worked kind of like flipped the uh, flipped the concept that that person had in their mind and flipped it around from wanting to maybe dig the military into doing a nice piece on uh, the recruiting process and so forth. So there are good situations where you can kind of turn things around. A uh, place I used to work at um, uh, for the person who was in charge of PR there, um, they didn't respond to an inquiry from the Times for a year. And next thing you know, there was an expose on the front page of the Times over here. <laughs> so, um, you know, sometimes in situations like, um, I guess she thought it would go away and it didn't. Um, so... I, I guess when you're in like a fearful situation of maybe an expose or something uh, potentially happening, what could you kind of do to prevent those kinds of situations from escalating? Because um, I'm assuming if she had responded that it might not have made the cover or the front page. It's, you know, it's, if you, I think the, the thing is you, you, you share the information and you know, if and not always, I, I'm, I've been around long enough to know that. Pretty more often than not, you're, you're going to be asked a bunch of questions, and then you don't hear from them again until it does show up on the front page. But, it's, but just be being aware. Be know know what you're doing, and and this is this calls for some pre planning. Um, is you know, I, I always whenever I started a new position. Uh, first off, I would meet with every every senior person of every division within the organization, so that I would know what they were doing, and then I would ask myself a, a, a what if questions: what if this or that, so that I always had prepared, sort of, you know, in the back of my mind, here is a way to respond to this, um, and uh, say, you know, it's, knock on wood. Um, 50-some-odd years into the business here, is that I have never, ever gotten slammed by the media, regardless of who the organization was. And I, part of it, again, was because I would say, you've got a question, come down here, let me show you what we're doing. And they're going like, then obviously you're not doing anything wrong. But it, it, it's, it's, it's a challenge, and you know there there are those journalists who get their get their thrills, if you will, from doing a hatchet job on an organization. It's going to happen. You're going to have folks like that on both sides of the fence. True. Just be prepared for it, and be prepared when it's if it happens. Be prepared with a response that will help you, your organization, come out in the best possible light. So some organizations kind of don't do anything that most people would consider media-worthy, like they're not curing cancer, they're not revolutionizing a particular industry. And um, these kinds of organizations and people do kind of want to go into uh, the media as well. What are some tips that they could use to kind of find unique ways to fit into a media cycle? Well, it's interesting you should ask that one because uh, my first job after I left the working for uh, civil service for the Army was I went to, and I'll just go ahead and give you the name, it was Honeywell Corporation, their electro-optics division in Lexington, Massachusetts at the time. And what we made was infrared imaging systems that were used. And when I found out this one particular thing what they were used for, I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun. They were used as the sighting systems for the missiles that you see on television zooming in and hitting a particular building. That was what they were used. And I talked to some of my senior people, and I said, we really don't want to be talking too much about how we help a bomb find the right spot. What else does this technology do? 
and they go, oh, well, we can use it infrared imaging for finding people who are lost, who are out in the, in the woods or something like this because of the body heat we're able to find. I go, that is a wicked cool story here. If, and now we see this. How many times on television do you see a story about a young child that gets lost and goes wandering off into the woods or something, and they're able, they, the law enforcement, is able to find them using electro-optic devices that pick up on body heat and show an image, and they, they know, okay, that's this little kid. So I focused on that part of it and got some very favorable coverage in some of the local media that said, you know, this is the good stuff that these people do. Look at the, the positives that come out of this organization. So, yeah, it wasn't sexy business and all this kind of stuff. It wasn't stuff you go, oh, wow, that's way cool. But when you think about, guess what, I can help save a life, that makes a difference. Yeah, definitely. And I don't think a lot of people really think about these types of situations, but they do. Uh, they are uh, quite interesting as well, especially for the media cycle and uh, for uh, humans in general. So, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Um, when we kind of think about uh, the media in general as well, um, I think a lot of people want the their company to kind of be like the highlight and the feature for like a publication to kind of talk about and um <laughs> they think that they could get an article out there that kind of talks uh all about their company and everything they do um from your experience um how likely or unlikely is that to happen and is this the norm that uh publications do covering businesses and so forth, or is it something that happens like in one-off situations? I, th I think it's more one-off situations. Again, it, it's, it's a matter of you, the PR person, having a, a story to tell. And I know it sounds like I'm repeating the same things over and over and over. But you, you, you look for the stories. What is it that we do? Um, one of the things I loved when, uh, in, when I was in Hawaii, I was the communication director for the Blood Bank of Hawaii. And, duh, well, we're kind of doing something life-saving anyway. But one of the things I, I realized is that for all the good things that we were doing early on, nothing, we weren't doing anything wrong. But I said, we need to focus more on our donors rather than, I mean, patients... One, you know, yes, I mean, that's, a, that's a, don't even need to talk about that. Patients are the top priority. But if you don't have someone willing to stick out his or her arm and let you take a pint of blood or draw some plasma, you're not going to be able to help those patients. So we yeah. started, I started a program of talking about the people who were making it possible for patients to live. Unbelievable. I got, we got coverage in all kinds of different types of public, even Aloha Airlines did a piece on us. And I'm going, <laughs> that's, wow. Um, but it, it was just, it, you know, they, it's, we're putting the human side here. And what we saw uh, as a result of that was a, an uptick in donors because all of a sudden we're saying we appreciate you, but we're also getting an uptick in public appreciation for those donors. So the, the, both sides of this, it, it was, it was a win-win. But, but again, you have to look and find out and say, go back to Honeywell Electro-Optics. The, the technology could, was used for the potential of saving a young child's life, blood banking, if it were not for the generous donors, we wouldn't be here today. There's always a story there that you can tell. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of unique stories that could kind of be drummed up from that. And I think the donor approach was a really good one, especially since it was... Uh, getting all the coverage that it did as well. Um, anyways, it's about time for us to hop off to another commercial break. Uh, where can people find you again, Kirk? 
Again, look for me online uh, for Twitter, Facebook, or uh, LinkedIn. It's Kirk Hazlett, K-I-R-K-H-A-Z-L-E-T-T. Cool, and you can find me at Mr. Larry Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And get Amplified. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here with uh, Kirk Hazlett, and we've been talking a lot about all the different ways you could kind of get into the media. Um, one thing I noticed, uh, Kirk, is you're part of the Public Relations Society of America, and can you kind of talk more about that? And I think you kind of mentioned that there's an ethical standard and guidelines that you kind of go around. If you could kind of bring shed some light into that, it would be appreciated for our listeners. Sure, happy to do that. You know, P- PRSA is, uh, I want to sound like I'm doing a, a promotional job here, but we're probably the largest organization for public relations practitioners. Um, there are other organizations in the United States as well as around the world that have a similar um, missions. But one of the things we, we did early on and uh, others did as well is establish a code of ethics that is a it's a guideline. It's not a it's not a license kind of thing. It's guidelines that say these are the this is the way you should conduct yourself as a professional as a communication professional. And then secondly, is here are some examples to help you understand what you should be doing. Um, and I'm just you know I can do a very very quick overview. We call it, we call it professional standards, and it's advocacy, which is, you know, believe in who you represent. I, again, this is something I tell you, young professionals when they're starting out. If you don't believe in the organization that you're working for, don't work for them. Work for somebody who you believe in. And we are an advocate. We speak out for the, our, our, our organization, telling them what we're doing, why we're doing it, and our opinions on various kinds of things. Um, we also say honesty. Dennis, this is, I, you know, I use my, my Homer Simpson thing of duh. Um, honesty. Be honest, accurate, and truthful. Tell the truth. Expertise. Be good at what you're doing. As one of my, my favorite phrases is never stop 
learning. I am always looking for ways that I can get certification and something new so that I can add to my arsenal of, of skills so that I can continue representing people, expertise, independence. Be in the, believe in what you're doing and stand up for it. Be, go back to my early uh, example when I, I was talking to the commander of the intelligence school. Sir, you have an image problem and I am going to fix it. He had never had anybody say that to him before. Hmm. But what that did is it put on my shoulders, okie dokie, you said you're going to do this, make it happen. Loyalty. Hello? Believe in your organizations. Be faithful. Don't stab them in the bank back, for heaven's sake. And then fairness. Be fair with everybody. I'm, I'm dealing with a situation right now, I just learned about it this morning, where there is some, apparently was some backstabbing going on, and I've got to help these folks figure out what do, how do we deal with this situation here. Be fair with your clients. Be fair with your employers. Be fair with the competition. Yeah, they're out to get your... your to get your business, but be fair to them. Be fair with every, and particularly the media, because hello, whatever you do is going to show up somewhere. But there's fairness here. So those are the, the values that we have here. And then what do we need to do? How do we do this? Provisions of conduct, free flow of information. How many of us have heard this one so many times? The, the public has a right to know Tell them what you're doing. If you can't tell them exactly what you're doing, figure out a way to tell, show them somehow. So free flow of information, very, very big here. Competition, hey, it's okay. It's, I love it when somebody else says, I can do better than you can because it ups the ante for me. How do I do better than you? Competition is a good thing. You don't want to not have it. Disclosure of information we see this all the time. Tell people what you're doing. Open communication. It helps decision-making. It helps people to feel better about what they have, are doing or are going to do. Builds trust with them. There's so many different ways. Safeguarding confidences. People be, have to trust you. They have to be know that if I tell you something and say, you can't, Kirk, you cannot share this information, that I'm not going to go blabbing it everywhere. But, but the only way I can understand what you as my potential client or employer want to have happen is to understand what you are doing. And they have to trust you with that information. Conflicts of interest. I'm seeing so much of this these days in, in the media of sort of bending the rules and say, you know, getting what's best, get the best for me rather than what's best for the public and that. Conflicts of interest. And then the last thing here we have, and this to me is the sort of the hallmark of our profession, enhancing the profession. When people see you, they have to, I hope, look at you and say, oh, you're a public relations professional. Wow, how cool is that? Instead of, oh, you're one of them. So mm. this, but these are the, 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 the guidelines that we use for, for our code of ethics here. We make this available to every one of our members and to the public so that they can understand. And being willing to talk about it, teach it, Preach it, if you will. But so important. You need to get. We are we are not licensed like a doctor or a real estate agent, but we still have an ethical guidelines that say this is how you should conduct yourself as a professional. That makes us equal to all these others. That makes a lot of sense. So I think um, a lot of people um, have confusion when it kind of comes to a conflict of interest. So let's just say that you're an IRS agent and you go seize some uh, one's assets and then a Ferrari goes up for auction. 
A lot of people might assume the IRS agent could bid on that Ferrari at auction and get it at a discounted price, but due to conflicts of interest, uh, IRS agent wouldn't be able to do that. But uh, I think a lot of people would assume that they could just because of uh, you know how the structure is kind of set up. And I think when it comes to co- conflicts of interest, when it comes to like media reporting and so forth, uh, I think. Not a lot of people understand that. Um, could you shed some light to that? Well, you know, it, it's an interesting one, and it, it gets, you know, it's easy to get into the weeds with all this stuff here. But, you know, the, the, the bottom line with addressing this as, a, as one of our ethical standards here is, A, to do just what you're saying here, to earn the trust of your of the clients or the employers or the media if you will so that they they know when they come to you they know that they will they will get an honest answer it may be the answer, not be the answer that they won't but they know that it will be the honest answer and they so you've got that but you also have to understand and having worked for the government and I understand this is I, I, I had with one particular organization, this is back when I was actually in the Air Force as an active duty military, is I, I was working in a, in a film library back in the days when you actually had 16-millimeter film. Um, and I, was do, I did a lot of really, really pro bono kinds of uh, activities for a particular organization. And they, the, the president of the organization came into my office at Christmas time with this really elaborate gift for me and I, I said wow you know thank you so much for this but I really cannot accept this because it would appear to other people that I that you're paying me off for giving you special treatment hmm. when in fact I treat you just like I do everyone else now, I felt I was very, very new in my career at the time. I felt a little uncomfortable saying that, but this this particular individual looked at me and said, "I understand what you're saying." So, and he took it back. Hmm. But I understood that he appreciated what I was doing. He understood that I could not. It was monetarily the the value of that thing was way more then at the time we were authorized to accept as a gift. Uh, so that's a very, you know, a sort of basic example here. But you, you make it clear from the get-go that... No, I, I, one, one other thing, I'll, I'll use this. This was not, It was me, I talked about the, the reporter who came down and I walked him through the um, recruiting process. We, he came down at 8 o'clock in the morning. We went around for about four hours, and it's lunchtime, and I said, why don't we take a break for lunch? He said, okay. We went into this our <laughs> sleazy cafeteria, and he had a hamburger and a Coca-Cola or something. This was back in the early 1980s. It was, I think it was going to be like $2, and I, was, I, I offered to pay it, and he, he immediately said, no, you cannot do that. Mm. I cannot accept any kind of payment when I am on duty, and I am on duty. So even say, say using him as an example, he made it clear he appreciated it, but he could not do it. It would be a conflict of interest. It would be because he, he wound up doing this really awesome story about us, and somebody would say, well, they bought you this really ritzy lunch while you, you were doing this. That's, that's why you were so nice to him. Well, sometimes, you know, I don't think a hamburger and a Coca-Cola counts as a ritzy lunch. But, <laughs> but, but the, you know, again, being aware, being, being aware of what the public might think and just, you know, knowing how to react when, if, when a situation arises. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know, like, um, organizations like the Times will give their employees a card that they could use for their expenses so let's say they go out to somewhere they don't have to pay for their lunch and so forth as yeah. uh or they don't have to have someone else pay for their lunch as that's already covered by their company so yeah that makes a yeah. lot of sense you know I, I, I but i think the biggest part a part of this is is being open and honest all along and you know 
unless somebody has been living behind a rock for most of their lives, they're going to understand. Um, and but you, but you know you have to feel be comfortable with giving an explanation and and not being coming off as being rude or unappreciative. Um, but tell them, but you know it's, it's it's sort of a give and a take. But what it does is it builds trust, and it. It's just going to wind up being in your best interest to do that way. Sorry, I'm not making much sense here. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, uh, and I appreciate all that. Um, anyways, it's almost time for us to kind of wrap up our show. Do you have any final words that you want to share with our uh, listeners? Well, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk or ramble, whichever the case may be, about things that I've been involved in myself and some of the uh, – some of the issues that I think are very, very important. I would encourage anyone, please, uh, if you if you do have a question that you th- you think I might have an answer for, be, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm more than happy to hear from people. If I don't know the answer, um, I will tell you because it's um you know that's being sort of open and honest here. But, but the the, uh, the thing is that. Just knowing that we as public relations professionals, our job is to help you, the public, understand what our organization is doing or our client or whatever it may be here, um, and to help see how it can benefit you possibly. But more than anything else, I just say, please, please, if, you're, if you do have questions, do not hesitate to, to reach out to me via LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, anything at all. Happy to um, respond. And if I don't know the answer, I'll, t- I'll point you in the direction of somebody who will know. That's awesome. Well, anyone who's looking for some information on PR and how to uh, uh, become more ethically able to uh, participate in the industry, make sure to reach out to Kirk. Where can people find you again, Kirk? They can find me in, on, on LinkedIn, Facebook or Twitter, and just look for Kirk, K-I-R-K, Hazlett, H-A-Z-L-E-T-T. Awesome. Well, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on to the show, Kirk, uh, today and sharing all your insights with everyone. Uh, You can always go out there and find Kirk, uh, get more PR information from him. You can also find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.